Welcome to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. Today I have John Sheridan on the show. John is the owner and head coach of Burley Strength, located in Fishwick, Australia. It's the home of strength in Canberra, and no dickheads are allowed. John, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, good to be here. No, it's cool. So just tell me a little bit about your history um, and how you got into fitness via rugby for me. So uh, as I said, just before we started recording, I'm like 33 now. I've been lifting weights now since I was like 14 or 15. Uh, I've first started like when we were allowed to go into the high school gym that I um, at the school I went to. So I was playing rugby when I or started playing rugby union when I started in high school. So like 13 uh, and yeah, started lifting weights at like 14 and a half or 15 because I wanted to play better footy. I continued playing rugby after I finished school, played a few years of grade rugby here in Canberra and continued to train through all of that. And then it was 2008 was the year, 2008 going into 2009, I think was the year that I, uh, went from playing like under 20s so Colts rugby up to like open grade rugby uh so I sort of got my training together and got pretty serious about it lost a bunch of weight and ended up playing first grade for a couple of years and continued to train all through that then um as I started getting further into training I was doing a lot more research and things like that and um ended up breaking my hand punching someone in the head on the rugby field which is not ideal but I'd like to say I walked away with a really good story because I punched the guy in the face and he was knocked out and I broke my hand but actually I just threw a really shit punch and broke my own <laughs> hand um and and he he walked away from it so yeah then I wasn't I had to have surgery on my hand and so wasn't allowed to play for the rest of the season so I said I'll just take like six months off train for a power lifting me because I've just kind of discovered powerlifting at that point and then I basically never looked back so that was I did my first powerlifting comp in 2010 I think it was 2011 I started as a like trainee personal trainer at a small uh, like commercial uh, semi-private like personal training business um, which I eventually got fired from because I didn't quite fit their mold as a like fat bearded powerlifter who was fucking into lifting really heavy shit and not much cardio <laughs> I didn't quite fit what they wanted worked for a PT business like someone else was running the business and I just worked for them coaching people for a little while and uh, that fell apart eventually um, and then I was offered an opportunity to open or to manage a gym for someone else uh, here in Canberra. So the guy owned a business called PTC performance training center in Sydney, which at the time was a pretty big name in like the PTC brand was a big name in the Australian, especially in the powerlifting world. And so I ran that for him from the start of 2014 until the end of 2015, about halfway through 2015, he came to me and was like, I want to get out uh, and I want you to take over. And I'd always said to him from day one that I, my intention was to buy the gym from him. 
uh, it ended up happening a bit quicker than I had intended it to. But because of the sort of person I am, I said yes to buying it before I even consulted my long-term girlfriend at the time. And uh, <laughs> that was several fights that I wasn't looking forward to. But now I've owned the gym since 2016 and we moved into our current spot, which is sort of what I consider the real birth of the gym uh, in like September 2016. Several years later, we're here. Amazing. Um, and we'll definitely swing back to that towards, well, later on in the episode. So let's just go through how you did as a powerlifter. I know that you've got immensely good numbers, but how did you progress? And then where did you end up with powerlifting? I did my first comp in 2010, lifting raw. So I think I squatted in knee wraps. I think I squatted. I missed my opening squat twice because I didn't know what depth was. Uh, and it was like, so I think I squatted 210 kilos. I think I benched like 90 or 95 kilos because I've always hated bench. So I've never been very good at it because I hate it. So I don't train it very hard. So I'm not very good at it. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> and I think I missed a 250 deadlift and I weighed about 100 and three or 104 at the time not long after that i got into equip lifting which was sort of where my real passion ended up lying in the powerlifting world so my best equip numbers i squatted 410 i benched 210 and my best deadlift in comps still only like 260 because i never deadlifted in equipment uh pulled like 280 in the gym but yeah that was as, as far as i got so that was 2015 was my last really serious meet and then 2016 we sort of started the gym and that was probably the worst decision i ever made for my own powerlifting career and i haven't like i competed a couple of times but never really seriously and have sort of put that on the back burner for the foreseeable future just because my life has evolved and my goals have changed and what was it about what was it about equipped lifting that you were? Uh that you fell in love with and does it have anything to do with liking pain and tattoos so i only got my first tattoo last year okay um, so uh yeah i waited a long time no i i can't say what definitely drew me to it i the sort of era that i came up in west side was still pretty big so I read a lot of like West Side stuff. Uh, one of the websites I spent a lot of time in in my sort of formative years was Elite FTS, uh, which uh, is run by Dave Tate and he's an ex-West Side lifter. And so that was sort of my indoctrination into powerlifting was through that stream. And I, I did both. Like I competed raw, like my best equipped comp, I did that. And then five or six days later, did my best raw total because we were at a six day meet and I just decided to compete on the last day and um, managed to hit a raw PB as well. So uh, I've always done both. Uh, I really, I like to joke that I was into being the illusion of strength. Like I didn't want to be strong. I just wanted to lift a lot of weight and that worked out pretty well. Like my best squat was like 410. And at the time I could probably squat 240 in wraps. I really liked the technical aspect of it, the precision requirement for being really good at the skill really I found really enjoyable and you know like it's frustrating and painful but I, I really enjoyed that process and I think in the the things that I've done since then I've found similar pathways to things that are like intricate and complicated and that take nuance and I enjoy that aspect of it um, so I think that was probably the thing that drew me most to it 
my long-term goal was always to be the first person uh, in Australia to squat a thousand pounds, but I was the first in Australia to attempt it, but missed it a few times and never got there in the end, which is so a thousand pounds is like 455. And yeah, I was at one point, the only person who'd attempted it in the country, but uh, I was never successful. And at this point in my life, I don't see myself going back to be successful at that because I'm just not willing to do the things that I did then to get to where I was strength wise, uh, because my life is different. Yeah, you you put a really interesting Instagram post. I think it was Instagram anyway. Yeah, it was. I, I don't post anywhere else because Facebook's yeah, a pile yeah. of shit these days. <laughs> um, about the idea of never hitting uh, a PB or a PR. I'm not sure what they actually call it in Australia, but in I I like PR, but again, that's because I was schooled through the elite FTS era where they all called it PRs. Some people call it PBs. I don't really give a shit. To be honest. I just use. <laughs> I just use PR most most regularly. Yeah. So how did how much did you um, struggle with the idea of potentially never hitting um, a PR again? I don't know that I struggled with it because by the time I realised that that was the case, I was already committed to not hitting a PR again. Like you know, I'm now uh, like I've been doing a bunch of like bike riding over the last couple of years. I've recently got into running for the first time in my entire life. I'm like the better part of twenty. 25 kilos lighter than I was at my strongest and it was probably like 2018 when I really was like oh maybe like deprioritizing powerlifting for a little bit is a good idea because I had a lot of trouble with training where I work because for a long time training has been my outlet I don't like saying it's therapy because that just makes it sound like I'm too macho to go to a therapist um yeah because it's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Uh, you got to work on your shit sometimes. And uh, so for me, training's always been that outlet. I, like I've been an athlete my whole life. I've been playing sports since I was like five uh, in various ways. And that competitive outlet satisfied me greatly. Um, and then taking over the gym got to a point where my my training no longer was the priority because my training doesn't pay the bills. Um, I think a lot of people have this misconception that owning a gym means you get to train whatever you want. I've probably trained less in the first two or three years of owning a gym than I ever had before. Uh, I went like months without training at all. I got really fat and out of shape and it was actually discovering uh, bouldering. So like indoor rock climbing, there was a bouldering gym that opened around the corner from where my gym is. And I discovered that, made some friends in that area and pursued that pretty heavily for better part of two years it would have been around 2018 through to 2020 and the only reason i ended up stopping was because lockdown happened and we stopped going we weren't allowed to go to the gym and in that i found the passion for like physical performance again that i think i had lost because i had blurred the lines between what i do for fun and what i do for work and that just made it a lot harder to be sort of motivated and disciplined enough to train regularly uh, so yeah, discovering bowling then helped me get through that. And I think it's only been since that journey began that I've been able to reflect back and go, Hey, I'm probably never going to do that again. It was a really fucking cool thing. And I'm really stoked that I've done it, but I just have no fucking desire to do the work to get back to that. So I'm totally okay with it. I think a lot of people wrap up their self-worth within um, a particular spot and get more. And I did. I, I was a power lifter. Like I, like that was the thing that I said was I'm a power lifter and I wrapped my entire identity around that. And that's what I think what I struggled with most in that period between like 2016 and 2018 was that 
like letting go of the identity rather than the concept of not hitting a PR. And it's only in being able to let go of said identity that I've been able to then reflect on the fact that I'm never going to squat more than 410 and that's the heaviest weight I'll ever lift and I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. Um, I always get worried when clients and friends start to put like the Instagram handle as something, something powerlifter. It's the first thing in the bio. It's the first thing on the LinkedIn. It's like, it's absolutely everything as your perspective on changing sports and changing direction helped you to advise clients and friends when it's time to hang up the wrist straps, hang up the knee wraps and put the singlet away in the cupboard for the last time. Yeah, so I I don't know that it's that, but I think it's been the discussions that I've been having for many years now about how powerlifting shouldn't be your entire identity. And we've created a gym culture here at Burley that is very much heavy in the like, fuck yeah, take training seriously, work hard at it, do all of those things that make you good at what you do. But everything happens in moderation, including moderation. And occasionally that means you go out and drink a ton of beers on the weekend and that's okay too. And for me, I think one of the good things has been that, so my current, my current girlfriend, I say that like I've had another girlfriend, my girlfriend and I have been together for a little over 12 years at this point. We have a kid together. We've been living together for like seven years. She has no fucking interest in training whatsoever and is quite happy to let that be my thing. And what that's meant is actually my closest friends in life have zero interest in fitness. They're not involved in the industry. They are completely separate from that. And I think that has really helped me to be able to see both my own training and my own performance, but also what I do for work and that sort of thing as just an aspect of who I am as opposed to my entire identity. The shift actually happened for me. I like I vividly remember it because I changed my Instagram handle for a long time. Uh, so Shero has been my nickname because it's short for Sheridan. It's my dad's nickname. It's my whole fucking family's nickname. Um, and I went to an all boys school. So it's always just short in your last name. And that's how Australian nicknames work. So for a long time, from the moment we started the gym, actually before it was Burley, it was Shero underscore PTC Canberra. And then it was Shero underscore Burley strength. And one day I sat there and I was like, I wonder if anyone has ever been like, oh, who's this guy on Instagram? Oh, look, his name, Instagram handle has the gym name in it. I'll find the gym. I was like, they probably haven't. And actually what I do and my business and the way I run my business is ultimately a reflection of who I am and my values. And it will always be that because that's how I want to run my business in a way that makes me happy, not just fills my pockets. And I recognize that that was something that maybe I was holding on to in a way that I shouldn't. And so now that's why my Instagram handle is now just Shero because I'm just Shero and like Burley strength is part of what I do and part of who I am. And it's a big part because I'm fucking here six days a week and it's all I ever think about, but it's an aspect of what I do. I'm also a father. I'm also a partner. I, you know, I'm into a bunch of things that aren't just lifting weights and listening to heavy metal. Um, But it's that realization that it is just an aspect of what I do that has then helped me foster community culture that is about like, fuck yeah, we go hard, but also we're not afraid to live life because ultimately no one really gives a shit about powerlifting. And most people don't even know what it fucking is. Uh, there's a guy, an American guy named Matt Vincent, who owns a company called Hate Brand Goods. Uh, it's like uh, I, like H and then eight in Roman numerals. Uh, he's an ex-Highland Games 
world champion. Um, and he has this quote about how the, if your totals going on your tombstone, we probably don't have a lot in common. Uh, and that's so profound. Yeah. Fucking oath, man. And hearing that, I was like, Oh yeah, fuck. That's true. So like when we go to, when we have like gym events, like, you know, at Christmas party, I'm really strict about like, no one's allowed to talk about lifting. Like we all spend our whole fucking lives talking about lifting. Let's drink some beers and talk about something that isn't lifting. Uh, and inevitably lifting conversations come up. It's a common thread, those sort of things. But I think I've worked really hard for a long time to encourage people to live life outside of the gym, because at some point you won't be strong anymore. You'll have hit the last PR you'll ever hit. And when you get to that point, if you're not ready for it, it's going to hurt. You're going to have a really hard time. And I, I know that now reflecting on it because I went through it without realizing what I was going through. Uh, and it's only upon reflection and upon growing and maturing that I've been able to see that change and be in a position then to be able to help other people through that transition. Yeah, that's that's something that's always made me feel uncomfortable about the fitness industry. It's almost sold as this myth of progress, like you can always increase your numbers, you can always get better results. And it seems to completely disregard the fact that people get older, that people's priorities change and life happens. I'm not sure yeah. if there's a, and I'm not sure if there's a question that goes along with this, but yeah, it, you have to get people used to this idea that it, it's not just about hitting the best. It's about training for life and, and having fun in the gym and being able to, to change lanes where you need to, depending on what aspects you have in your life at a particular time. Man, hundred percent. I like, I'm still hitting PRs. My PRs just look different. I hit a yeah. PR this morning. I ran my first sub six minute, one kilometer, which yeah. I've never fucking done before in my entire life, which is sick. And I'm yeah. stoked about it. But at the same time, I've like in, and in pursuing things that aren't lifting weights, I have found a love for the process of training again. And that's the, the way I frame it for people is to talk about the difference between a process outcome. Uh, orientated outcome and an outcome orientation process and outcome orientation. So an outcome orientation is I want to squat X for me. It was, I want to squat a thousand pounds. That was my only fucking powerlifting goal. And I never got there because I was focused on that number. I preemptively attempted it in a way that I wasn't ready for. And in reflecting, I've then been able to develop it. Like I just fucking love training. Like I love finding things that I suck at and getting better at them. For like the better part of two years, that was indoor rock climbing. And I did a little bit of training in the gym to support that. Then lockdown happened and I got into riding mountain bikes and went from being the fattest, most unfit motherfucker you've ever seen to <laughs> uh, like actually being reasonably fit for a guy that still weighs 120 kilos. Um, and now I'm pursuing running as something that I've never really trained for before. So it's just a new pursuit. And I, ultimately, and I joke about this, but I mean it in an incredibly serious way. My only training goal in life is to make sure that my nearly four-year-old son never beats me in any sport we do between now and the time he turns 18. Because I'm one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. And that motherfucker is going to earn his wins in my life. So basically that, that motivates my training decisions now is I never want my body to be the reason he can't do something. So I can now run, I can ride, I can lift, I can do all of these things that mean I can live the life that I want to because fuck doing shit like this is fun. And I enjoy the process of pursuing improvement in areas of physical skill. And so, yeah, that's just changed the way I think about training. 
Do you think that training should be fun? Fucking oath. If it's not, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> That's why I stopped powerlifting, man. It got to a point where it was a chore. I felt like I had to do it. And I hate that. I do not do well with f- obligation. <laughs> I don't do very well at feeling like I'm obligated to do this. So I have to do it. That's why now having owned my own business for a long time, I would be a fucking terrible employee. It's part of the reason the gym's never going to fail is basically because I realized that I'm essentially unemployable at this point because I just have a disdain for things I don't want to do and or that I think are stupid. And so, yeah, I think that's without a doubt the most important aspect of fitness is or or any pursuit is that you enjoy it and it doesn't mean it has to be fun all the time i like the description of type one and type two fun type one fun is things that are fun while you're doing them and type two fun is the sort of thing that's fun only on reflection and it's generally pretty miserable when you're doing it like a heavy set of 20 squats type two fun all the time fucking heinous but you look back on it you're like oh yeah that was pretty cool Right, like I, uh, on my biggest bike achievement was I rode. There's a, a mountain bike trail that loops all of the ACT, so all of Canberra. Uh, it's like 138 k's, and I rode the whole thing in a day. And it took me like 13 hours, uh, and it was fucking brutal. It like properly fucked me in a way that I had never experienced before, and it was definitely type two fun. Like it was aspects of type one fun. Like there were some moments where I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is sick," and then there were other moments where I'm like, "Oh my god, this is heinous, and I'm gonna die." And I think being able to have a combination of both of those things is what makes it enjoyable in the long term. I've never thought of the idea of powerlifting as being um, almost like an employer that's that's a boss that's that's telling you what to do. And that just explains so much about like my motivation and everything like that. That is such a cool idea because like it's the same for me. Like I, I'm completely unemployable as um, a member of staff there was a a a gym that I was fired from because they I posted a video about a banded leg press this person made an offhand comment about this um, leg press thing and that bands were irrelevant so I posted a video of like 20 exercises where someone just poured bands all over me and I think it gets like that with powerlifting sometimes. Like uh, it's not going as well. So I'm going to attempt to PR and, and but yeah, that that that's such a cool idea. I love it. Yeah, it, it definitely got to a point for me where the thing that was my outlet outside of my work had suddenly become the same thing as my work. And that made it really hard to separate the two. And I'm now much better at it. Like I, I train three days a week in the gym. I train first thing in the morning because I just know myself well enough to know that if I don't train before 7am, I'm probably not training that day. And I've found that passion again because I don't feel like I have to do it. I want to do it and I enjoy the process. And I know that there are ups and downs and that at 33, I'm probably never going to hit strength numbers like what I've hit in equipped powerlifting. But I'm also like, I did fucking four chin-ups in a row, like 45 minutes ago on a whim. I don't think I've ever done four chin-ups in my life. And I just, my training has got to a point where now I'm hitting all these random PRs that I've like never done before because I'm just fucking enjoying it. I'm having a good time doing it. And I think that is more than anything, the thing that I encourage people to find in in training, in fitness. Like I I don't think everyone should be a power lifter. And that's, that was another big sort of revelation in my coaching philosophy was recognizing that not everyone wanted to be the same meathead that I was. And so now I'm way more interested in like, hey, what fucking lights your fire? Like, what do you enjoy? And if what you enjoy is playing tennis on the weekends, 
fuck yeah, let's play tennis, but let's do some training that's going to make you better at tennis. And that probably doesn't look like a barbell squat and a big arch and your bench press and heaps of heavy deadlifts. It probably looks completely different to that, right? In the same way that my training now looks totally different from what my training looked like as a powerlifter because I'm not training for powerlifting anymore. And I think as a coach getting through that realization that not everyone wants to do what you do and that actually what you've got to do is serve the person in front of you is ultimately the most important part. And then it's about helping that person find the thing that makes them excited. You know, one of the things I've recognized in myself as I've matured is the thing that I really enjoy in life is people who are fucking passionate about things. I don't really care what it is. I care that you find something that fucking lights your fire and that your skin tingles when you talk about, right? And so I end up having these conversations with people about like just random shit that I would never, ever think to get into. And I get stoked for them just because I'm about like, hey, like you're fucking super into checkers. Like, great. Talk to me about checkers. I just like learning things. I like, I'm curious about things. And so being able to help people find that thing is ultimately the thing that I've found has been most successful in adherence in training. Cause like, I can be like, Hey, let's train for a palette man. It's great. Cool. But if you do one, you're like, that was fun, but like, I don't love it. Well then fuck, let's find something else. So are you purposefully put variation in uh, people's training just to allow them to dip their toes into different waters or will you let them drive the ship? Uh, it's a, a bit of both. Like I, I very much work in a cyclical approach to, to programming things, recognizing that you don't have to be strong all the time. One of the questions I asked in like early, uh, interactions with people is like, what exercises do you really like doing? And, you know, it might be leg press and I might think leg press is a waste of fucking time, but I'm probably going to put leg press in your program because you're you said to me at the start like fuck yeah i love doing leg press sick let's do some leg press because mm-hmm. the difference between a leg press and a front squat is probably not that much i probably don't care that much about the difference in training because if it's the difference between you fucking loving it and being able to hammer it and go hard and you being like oh i have to do these front squats and then doing them half assed well then fuck leg press every day so it's been that has been more effective at helping people enjoy things um, rather than forcing people into my decisions about what is best for them. I, I'm a big fan of like still giving people what they need. But if you're good at what you do, you can hide what they need within what they like doing and you get the best of both worlds. I think all great coaches say um, the same thing. It's those that constantly force people to do something that they hate and that they suck at first in every session are the ones that just cycle through clients like there's uh, like it's going out of fashion and it just you can just see the light go out in people's eyes and that that's just not going to foster a love for the gym it's not going to foster any type one or type two fun whatsoever no exactly man and for me like I, like I said, I've been lifting weights for over half my life at this point. It is the longest relationship I've had outside of my immediate family and will continue to be for the rest of my life. And the thing that has sort of helped me realize as I've matured as a person and like become an adult, quote unquote, because I'm not convinced I actually am, um, <laughs> ha- has been that recognizing that not everyone is me when they were, when I was 22, you know, like, cause when I was 22, I fucking lived and breathed it. 
like this was everything. It was all I did. It was all like I, I worked in childcare at the time. So all I did was fucking train and go to work and loved it. Right. Uh, it was the reason I got booted from my first attempt at university was because I failed the same maths course three times in a row. And um, they will politely ask you to reconsider your study options at that point. It was partly because I discovered the campus had a pub and I wasn't required to be in lectures and partly because I found the love for training and just fucking train five days a week and like did all, all my reading on training instead of the fucking math subjects I was supposed to be studying. So I recognize now that not everyone's going to feel like I do about training and that's totally okay. But for me, it's about helping people recognize what is the goal that they want to get out of the training process. Cause a lot of people come in they're like, oh, I just want to be like a bit fitter and stronger and healthier. And it's like, okay, cool. But what the fuck does that actually mean? Cause for me, it means I want to live a life where my body doesn't ever limit what my four-year-old gets to do. So that means I have to be able to run. I have to be able to jump and climb and throw things and lift things and basically do whatever he wants because keeping up with a four-year-old's hard. And so that means my training looks a lot different than it did when what I wanted to get out of training was a big fucking total. And so helping people recognize that has been really useful. So just getting better at having those discussions early in the piece about what it is you want out of training and what progress looks like to you, because ultimately everyone has a slightly different opinion of what progress looks like and not everyone gives a shit about what their squat PR is. And you had many years as a... A meathead. Do you have Man, to? I'm, st- I'm still a fucking meathead. Like I, <laughs> I make no, that, that is one part of my identity. I will likely never get rid of. I am a meathead through and through. I'm just way better at recognizing when I'm just being an idiot and being a meathead and being <laughs> able to make better decisions about things. Yeah, that's it. I mean, how important is a uh, decision fatigue being in your, in your life? Um, like when, powerlifting is being a cruel mistress to me that's when I definitely notice my decisions are the worst I don't know if you've had any experiences of that yeah I think I've recognized now that I am a happier healthier person and just generally better to be around when I'm training hard for something and for a couple of years that was climbing rocks like I would fake rocks not even real rocks Um, (laughs) and then it was riding bikes Uh, now it's running and just love and life and all of those things have made me realize that actually I'm just a better person to be around when I'm training hard it's part of the reason I train first thing in the morning I like mornings I enjoy the feeling of feeling like I'm stealing time because I get up at five past five and I'm either in the gym or on a bike or out running by 6am I'm generally done by 7 30 which means the rest of my day is free and the alternative is at the other end of the day, I just spend less time sitting on my fucking phone scrolling through bullshit and I just go to bed early. Uh, so I think through through necessity, like working in PT and stuff like that, I've I started doing a lot of early mornings and it's just become part of who I am now. So I recognize that I'm better as a person. I'm better as a partner. I'm better as a father. I'm better as a coach when I'm working hard for something. And so realizing that has ultimately been the, the driving force. Like I'd take a week off training and I'm suddenly a cunt. <laughs> Maybe you should just train a bit. And I try, I do one session. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I feel good again. Like, fuck. All right. Just remember that lesson. I love it. And to, to swing back to uh, Burley, you mentioned about values and I think something that can not come across as not meaningful, but like often people say, 
like powerlifting for everyone. We want to make everyone feel welcome. But I get a feeling that with Burley Strength, that line of powerlifting for everyone has a real profound meaning. I don't know if you'd just say a few words about that or whether I'm barking up the wrong tree. No, man. Uh, I Powerlifting's done a lot of really fucking great things for me in my life. I loved every minute of training for powerlifting and I still fucking love watching people walk onto the platform a little bit apprehensive about what they're about to do and seeing their fucking face light up when they walk off. Like it, it genuinely, I'm like about to start crying about it because it genuinely moves me to tears. And yep. so for me, it's part of the reason strength is in the name of my gym, because I believe strength is like one of the fundamental physical characteristics that allows you to perform well in life and not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. And powerlifting has been this thing that I've been able to give to people who didn't have anything to train for right? Because it's really fucking accessible. If you've ever walked into a gym at some point in your life, you've probably done some variation, no matter how good or bad of a squat, a bench and a deadlift. And so it makes it incredibly accessible for competing in something. I'm insanely fucking competitive to the point where my girlfriend refuses to play board games with me anymore. I was just going to say I'm banned from playing Monopoly in my house. Yeah, me too. Uh, mostly because I'm not just a terrible winner, but I'm also a fucking terrible loser as well. And so because of that, I needed a competitive outlet in my life, which is how powerlifting took over from rugby. If I didn't have powerlifting, I probably would be still be playing rugby and I wouldn't be where I am now. And because of that, I believe everyone should get an opportunity to do that if it's something they want to do. And powerlifting is traditionally, and certainly when I came up and it still very much is, predominantly filled with uh, cishet white men who are almost always misogynist dickheads. And I just have no fucking time for that. I went to an all boys private school. I used gay as an insult in a really, in a way that I deeply regret. And now I recognize that I have the ability, I have a platform to be able to spread a message that is more than that. And so we run both like sanctioned competitions, so like under a federation, uh, and we run novice comps. And the novice comps are unaffiliated, so they're just under our banner, which means we can do what we want. Uh, and so we were the first, to my knowledge, the first sporting organization in Australia to, not that we're an organization, but the first, first sporting outlet to offer a third gender category in what we do. So all of our novice meets have a male, a female, and the category is called MX, uh, which is for anyone who feels like they don't fit with the traditionally binary uh, view of gender in the world, right? Uh, the misconception is that it's exclusively for trans people, which is not true. It is for anyone who feels like they don't identify with either the male or female gender spectrum. And so... What that's meant is we've had only something like maybe 15 or 20 people in the last few years that have done that. But I'm a big believer in, like you said at the start, no dickheads allowed. That is literally on our front page of our website. And I thought long and hard about putting that on because I only rebuilt that website like end of last year. And I thought long and hard about putting that on there. I had one of my longtime members suggest that I shouldn't because he saw it and was like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. But that phrase I have said to every single person who has ever inquired about joining my gym, because I mean it, I have a very firm, no dickheads policy. And fortunately in 
seven years of owning or running a gym, I've never had to kick anyone out. I've got a handful of people, probably about 10, who are never allowed back here again, but they left of their own accord. And generally what we've created is a community that doesn't give a shit who you are, where you come from, or what you identify as, but is interested in your ability to continue striving to be better than you were yesterday. And so the natural extension of that was to offer an opportunity for people to get onto the platform in a way that perhaps they felt uncomfortable to do otherwise. I'd really like to see it happen in a sanctioned competition. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because unfortunately there is still a very significant portion of the powerlifting world that is run by cishet white men who don't see things the same way I do. But as a white guy with a beard and a deep voice and tattoos, I recognize that, especially as a father, I recognize now that my role is to present a representation of what it means to be a man to my son that I didn't have when I was a kid. And my, I love my dad. My dad was, is still one of my role models, but I grew up in one of the most toxically masculine environments you could possibly ask for. I went to an all boys private school. It was fucked. I look back on it now and am glad I never have to do it again. And so by being able to provide not just in who I am and what I do on a day-to-day basis, but to provide my son with an opportunity to see a representation of men and, and good men that are not that I think I'd be stupid to do anything else. And so, because as I said before, my business is a reflection of me and my values and who I am as a person, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that anyone who wants the opportunity to can compete in a sport. I've never nearly cried on a podcast before, but like <laughs> I've, that, I've done it a few times. It's all right. I, I almost don't want to explore that further just because like what more uh, needs saying? It's so interesting that you've you've come from that like toxic masculinity background, and I like I have tattoos, I have a beard, I have bald head, I'm a meathead. I was raised by women, and my father wasn't in my life, and um, I was very lucky in always having a really accepting family. Uh, and the idea you've had to to fight the toxic masculinity and ended up in the same place where I, I'm at with my head, like just accepting everyone. But yeah, man. you've put it to a place where you're changing the powerlifting world by having that new category. And I think that's just, that's just incredible. And it's definitely something that we can explore at our gym. So, yeah, so it was actually, it came from a British gym, I believe. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I could probably find the original article, but yeah, it was an idea that was presented to me by a friend of mine who is a trans man who transitioned. Like I knew this person before they transitioned in the powerlifting world. And then they transitioned and were part of writing the transgender inclusion policy that we have for GPC, the federation that I'm involved in, in Australia. And he presented this idea to the federation. And essentially the answer was like, well, A, the answer is we can't do anything because we're affiliated with a world body and it has to happen at a world level. But the answer from a lot of the people that I thought better of were really fucked, like really. And especially to say it to someone who is trans, like it just, the attitude was fucking gross. And so I jumped at the opportunity. I was fucking stoked to be in a position to be able to host the first of that kind. 
uh and yeah like it's it's a cool pr move like it's great to get some you know hype for the gym and that sort of thing but i'm not doing it because of that i'm doing it because i genuinely care about people finding something they can thrive in and by offering an environment that does nothing to me like it doesn't make my life any worse if anything it makes my life better because i've got more cool people in my life and it seemed like just the natural progression of what we do and now there's a couple of gyms across australia that do it uh, which is really cool i'd like to see it happen more consistently across the board but i think we've got a real significant uphill battle and for now i'm more than happy to to provide an environment for those people to feel safe and comfortable in i know like several of the lifters who've competed have said to me that it is a life-affirming moment to be able to be in a position to do something like that uh and i'm fucking stoked to be able to offer that opportunity because i also recognize that as a cishet white man who went to a private school, like I've had the most privileged upbringing you could possibly have. And recognizing that I had opportunities that people who are not me have never had and, and maybe never will have means from my point of view, I'd be stupid to do anything other than offer them an opportunity to do something so cool as to step onto a platform and crush their PRs. The idea of someone feeling safe around those terrifying exercises and yeah. thriving in that environment is just why I coach. Why yeah, 100%. I want to go to competitions and why I've got to thank powerlifting so much for, for showing me that, that that is possible. And yeah, just that idea of when someone goes to their first competition and you know what? I, I actually think that people forget that they can progress in things and they get into lifting they might have had the same job for 10 12 15 years whatever Uh, and then you show them that they can put more weight on the bar and that in in your gym and in those competitions doesn't matter what gender they are it doesn't matter the background that they can always make that progress and i think 100 kilos is 100 kilos regardless of where you are right Absolutely. And I think that's just um, an amazing place to to transition towards the end of the show. So what I like to do in the last 10 minutes um, is just ask if there's any mentors or any people that you want to shout out that have been important in your life. Uh, It might be the dog in the background there. It can be whatever. So yeah that's john anyone you want to shout out it's a massive question it's really unfair and i'm sorry (laughs) man no no i look i think i would be remiss not to have given you that big spiel about inclusivity and powerlifting and not recognize my girlfriend who as i said we've been together for like over 12 years now she's the reason i think the way i do because she opened my eyes to a view of the world that i had never had before from a powerlifting context so my my podcast co-host thomas Lilly, who i think is one of the best powerlifting coaches in the world uh owns zero weakness which is a series of gyms and a coach development thing and stuff like that in in australia um and now works across the world uh he's been instrumental in in my development Basically, because we've been talking to each other once a week for like three years. Uh, I think we've done something like 200 episodes and uh, or somewhere around there. And so both watching him evolve and being able to help me evolve by talking to me and asking questions and things like that has been yeah, pretty instrumental. I think there's there's a lot of people, I mean... You know, there's people that'll listen to this and feel nice because they got a shout out. But then there's people like my high school rugby coach who will never listen to something like this, but is the reason I'm here today. He um, took me under his wing after I'd finished school. I went back and trained with him. That was in that transition period between playing under 20s and uh, going into grade rugby. I trained with him five days a week. I lost a bunch of weight. I got really fit. 
uh, he's the reason I'm here today. He's been instrumental um, in, in the man I've become and the, and the things that I do. I mean, like I said, I, I was raised in a stable, good family. My dad's a great role model. My mum's predominantly a good role model. Um, and all of those things are nice, but I, I think there's probably too many people to to really name specifically other than both my girlfriend and Thomas. Um, I think they're probably two of the biggest influences in, in where I am today. I love that answer. For anyone that wants to find out more about you, um, where's the best place to find that information? Uh, so as I said earlier, Instagram's definitely the place. Uh, I don't really post on Facebook anymore because uh, Instagram won't let you connect two Instagram accounts to Facebook. And I predominantly post on the business account for pushing things to Facebook. So I just never got around to fixing that. So my Instagram handle is just Shero. Uh, Shero is S-H-E-R-R-O. Uh, you can follow the gyms just at Belly website as well that you can check out mostly to admire my handiwork and rebuilding my website which i'm still pretty stoked about <laughs> um but yeah that that's the best spot i also host a podcast called peak speak so yeah we're on like spotify and all all the podcast platforms you can find um as i said i host that with thomas uh we generally do a show a week and like i said we've got 200 something episodes so there's a lot to go back and listen to if you want um but yeah mostly instagram to watch either a combination of me running in circles and or along dirt paths and occasionally posting about beers and food and mostly tool. But um, yeah, that's, that's probably the easiest option. And um, I love it. And for anyone listening, all that will be in the show notes so you can find more information about John. So John, I've absolutely loved today. It's been one of my favorite episodes that um, Thanks, I've man. It's been ever great. recorded. And, and yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. 